Hi, Nerdist Writers Panel listeners. This is Ben Blacker, the creator and moderator of the Nerdist Writers Panel. I hope you enjoy today's chat. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, I certainly enjoyed it. Um, we have a bunch of live panels. If you're in L.A., come to these live panels. They are super fun. Um, I know they're a little pricey at $15. They wouldn't let me drop the price. But the good news is it goes to A26LA, the National Nonprofit Tutoring Program. Uh, this Sunday, the 9th of February, we have, as you demanded, Philip Iscove, the co-creator of Sleepy Hollow, who is the nicest guy and should be a lot of fun to talk to. Uh, we also have Don Prestwich and Nicole Yorkin from The Killing and The Riches and Carnival. Uh, they are great. I met them at the uh, Austin Film Festival. They have a lot of really great things to say, as well as Paul Redford, who has worked on the Sorkin shows, The Newsroom and The West Wing, uh, another really good guy with some really terrific stories, and uh, he's a great writer. Um, so that's uh, the Nerdist Writers Panel on the 9th of February. Go to nerdmeltla.com slash tickets to the number two. Uh, that's this Sunday, and then the following Sunday, I think we've got more. We do. Uh, the 16th, we have James Wong from The X-Files, and he was recently on American Horror Story. Uh, I really dig this dude's work. I've been wanting to get him for a long time. Uh, we also have Moira Kurland, who has, is currently on Arrow and who worked on Castle. Uh, Moira, uh, we tried to schedule last year, and we finally got her, and you guys have been wanting someone from Arrow, so I'm, I'm glad we get her. And we also have Terry Metalis and Travis Fickett, who have worked on Nikita and Terra Nova, and who are doing the 12 Monkeys pilot for Sci-Fi, which I don't think has been ordered to series yet, but uh, I think it'll be a really interesting to talk to those guys about uh, adapting that movie for television. And then we've got a bunch of uh, live panels coming up in March. Uh, check the website, facebook.com slash panel or follow me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, for info on those. You're not going to want to miss them, uh, including a writer-slash-actor panel that we're doing, which has some really cool folks on it. Um, before we start, let me tell you about our sponsor for this week's podcast. The sponsor is Ender's Game, the movie, starring Harrison Ford, Asa Butterfield, Haley Stanfield, Viola Davis, Abigail Breslin, and Ben Kingsley. On Blu-ray and DVD, February 11th, available early on digital HD, January 28th. Ender's Game is a visually stunning and thrilling film, 28 years in the making. Written and directed by acclaimed director Gavin Hood, who made X-Men Origins Wolverine uh, and rendition in the Academy Award-winning Atsotsi. As fears of an alien invasion grow, Earth's international fleet recruits an unlikely leader, a young and brilliant boy to command its forces and fight for the future of the human race. Based on the worldwide bestseller and featuring an all-star cast, Ender's Game bursts with epic adventure and stunning visual effects. It features groundbreaking visual effects, including the creation of zero-gravity stimulation technology now being leveraged throughout the industry. Movie Lion's Pete Hammond calls the film spectacular. The Blu-ray, which again comes out February 11th, includes an exclusive 45-minute making-of featurette called Ender's World, The Making of Ender's Game, and Inside the Mind Game, a look at the motion capture process used in the film. Both the Blu-ray and DVD special features include deleted and extended scenes with optional audio commentary with director Gavin Hood, as well as a feature-length audio commentary with producers Gigi Pritzker and Bob Orsi. 
and a second feature-length audio commentary with Gavin Hood. So check out Ender's Game on Blu-ray and DVD February 11th, available right now on Digital HD. Now, enjoy this podcast. Now entering Nerdist.com. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel on the Nerdist Podcast Channel. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Yeah! <laughs> uh, I've got Emmy Grinwith. Hello. Say Hi. hello. Hello. That's what you sound like. Uh, Derek Hughes and Benjamin Rabb in the studio. Hello. Hello, everyone. Um, the reason I wanted to get you guys here together is, um, I think, like me, you guys have been working for some time, but you're all kind of about to break through in sort of a much bigger way, and I, you're giving me strange looks, but I know that's true. <laughs> Do you know something that we don't know? Yeah, Please keep saying more. <laughs> but I know, like, you know, you've kind Please. of been putting in the work, you've been working on your own things, on things for other people, and, you know, this is an aspect of the business of TV and film that doesn't get talked about a lot, Yeah. Um, which is why I wanted to get you guys all here. Um, but I told you I wanted to start by talking about the exciting stuff first. Um, so, uh, Emmy, the reason I, I uh, jumped on, I think it was your manager, and was like, I need to talk to her, <laughs> yeah. um, is because I read about this MTV show uh-huh. that you're working on. Yeah. Can you talk about that at all? Sure. It's called Eye Candy, um, and it's based on a book by R.L. Stein. And I, I had written a pilot, just a spec pilot, call, uh, and sent with a, with a friend of mine who's... A uh, you know big name in TV. Her name's Dawn Presswich. Um, so she's doing a panel. In a couple she weeks. is. Yeah. She's she's awesome. Have you met her? She's great. She's yeah. she's like the, my favorite person in the world. She basically changed my life. And um, how so? Well, she mentored me. She wrote. She read a couple of short stories uh-huh. um, that I had written. And I I was kind of directing stuff, and I did the AFI directing workshop for women oh, okay. and stuff like that. And um, she read some of the short stories that I'd written, and she was like, "Why aren't you making a living writing for television?" <laughs> I was You're like. Kidding. Oh, yeah, that would be awesome. And well, so, wait, okay. Uh, there's going to be a lot of interrupting. Uh-huh. Um, how did those short stories wind up in Don's hands? Uh, I We both teach creative writing in Juvenile Hall, and I met her through that no program. Kidding. Yeah, I know a lot of people are doing Inside that. Out Writers. Yeah, yeah. that's a great program. Do you want to talk about that for a second? Yeah, sure, it's amazing. Um, I, I, I found out about it because I was uh, producing this, this commercial for QuickBooks, and they, QuickBooks wanted to um, interview small business owners all over Los Angeles and then they wanted some like um, non-profit so mm. they were like somebody said why don't you go interview the person who runs Inside Out Writers so I did that and I was like this is an amazing program oh my god sign me up they sold you on it <laughs> so I um I just you know you just um go into there's three juvenile halls there's mm. Silmar Central Downtown and then one that I teach at is called Los Padrinos and Downey mm-hmm. and you just go in and you like teach them creative writing for like an hour and a half yeah. And um, some, some of the classes are mandatory for the whole unit, but the class I teach at is volunteer, so it's awesome. I get, like, three students, and we just have an hour and a half. And usually we do stream of consciousness writing for, like, ten minutes, and then um, I'll bring in a poem or a short story, and we'll read it, and then we'll, like, whatever inspires them, we'll write about it afterwards. That's really cool. And Don and I were in the same um, 
the same like orientation group. So mm-hmm. we kind of like went through the, the whole thing together and like learned how to do it. And oh, funny. And she's I didn't know who she was at the time, but sure. if I had, I probably would have been really intimidated by her because <laughs> she's just like she's so awesome. But she's but also I, very unassuming. No, yeah, like, oh, you know, right. she's like you know, whatever. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, um, and what do you think it is in these short stories that she thought would translate to television writing? I, I have no idea. I have really? to ask her. Like, <laughs> I mean, I just I just love writing, you know. Um, I just love it. Oh, we I get think so that's... few of those. <laughs> I, really? No. I know. People hate... Writers hate writing. You know that, right? No. How new well, are you? I don't know. I remember Jamie, like, the friend that we have in common, would talk about how, she, you know, she would, like, set a timer when she first started out, mm-hmm. like, because we were in graduate school together, Jamie and I, and she would, like, she would set a time. Did she ever tell you this? She'd set a timer for, like, ten minutes and then, like, just force herself to write for ten minutes she straight. Still, she loves that. <laughs> she She's a total pro now. But anyway, um, she, so I just, like, never had that issue, you know? Like, I just, I just mm-hmm. love it. Like, the first thing I do in the morning is just, like, wake up and pull my computer over and like, start writing. That is right. amazing. Really? You, do you guys hate know. writing? No. No. I hate myself when I'm writing. Well, this what is do you the hate about it? They're so tied together. What do you hate about it? I mean, why? No, no, no. It's not the writing. I, I love doing it. I, yeah. I just, I hate the, the voices that you have that tell you this could be better. That's why you should do it the first thing in the morning I, I, because yes. there's no, your brain is still really yes. loose and you don't, there's no, because that happens to me later in the day. I start getting really critical and like, I suck, I suck, right. I suck. <laughs> but in the morning, it's like, of course, if you have to get up and go to a job, it's a lot harder. But I mean, like, since right. I did this MTV thing, I, I can, I, you know, like support myself writing, but it's so great to like, just be able to like, I don't know, your brain is really loose, and you know, you're like, just half awake, kind of, exactly. and you get all the best ideas, and you don't, there's no, you're just like, I don't even get out of bed, I just stay in bed, it's like really safe, and like, I can just let my mind go, like, it's really, it's really awesome. My, my wife's been instituting sort of, for herself, a, you know, the one of those, you know, rules of successful people where you get up ridiculously early uh-huh. and start uh-huh. your day before <laughs> it's humanly necessary, yeah. and I've been, you know, she sort of dragged me into it. And I'm glad she did because I do spend, like, while we've been working on this pilot, like, I've been, yeah. I'm spending more time in the 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. range at the, you know, at the kitchen table with the computer in the dark working. And that's been, it's, it, that, like you say, that free flowing yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah. of ideas where you're not really self editing as yeah, much yeah. as you do in the light of day. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I, I get that. Yeah. I, it's, I don't hate writing at yeah, all. Yeah. I, love it. It's, I mean, I'm glad that we get to have this as our. Right. I mean, I was thinking about this actually today. Like, I'm. I'm, I'm still doing it. It's not over. They haven't kicked me out. <laughs> they haven't, you know, like they've tried. But I'm here. I know you're just waiting for that 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 knock at the door, saying like, "I'm sorry." It's, you're done. We're taking your computer. <laughs> Get out. Good <laughs> shot. Yeah. Or the or the ideas just stop. You know, mm-hmm. and, and not, not even like them, like the professional world, like you know, like the the universe is like, you're not going to write anymore, sorry. You know, they just, like, stop. I mean, it's never happened to me before, but, you know, you kind of live in fear of it happening, I, I suppose. I think so. I, th- I think the, the, the flow of ideas is, we have that fear, but I think at a certain point, you whether you're successful or not, I feel like if it's in you, it's in you and you do it. And, yeah. and, and that fear gets supplanted by another fear, <laughs> you know, something else entirely. You hate it. Yeah, but you still create. But that's that's that guy in your head yelling at you, which is why early in the morning he's not quite awake yet. I totally get. Yeah, yeah. Still partying from last night. Um, So, so I'm sorry. Did you write um, this R.L. Stein pilot on spec, Uh, or you wrote something else? Well, so I wrote that, and and Don sort of mentored me through the process of writing this other spec set in a boarding school um, because I went to boarding school, and then. she gave it to her, a good friend of hers who's an agent at CAA, and then um, that that woman, Anne Blanchard, sent 
um, sent that script to Blumhouse, and they had this book, this R.L. Stein book called Eye Candy, which they sent to me, and I read it, and then we sort of, like, I spec the script for them. I mean, I wrote mm-hmm. the pilot for them for free, and then... Which is a thing that is so common. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you guys... Well, I mean, I figured, too. like, because I write novels, too, and I mm-hmm. was like, well, no one's going to pay me to write a novel. Like, why would... This has, like, potential to actually... Like, <laughs> novels have no no chance <laughs> now for anything. So it's like, well, at least this has, like, a chance, you know? Yeah, but in and, the old days, they used to pay you to write the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I guess. I mean, I don't know why they would pay me. It was, like, the second thing I'd ever... You know what I mean? Well, I'd never really... Written. What do you think they saw in that... Um, I don't know. It was like I think it, you know it was sort of like a horror, um, oh, okay. but it, but it was also, I mean I don't I don't I don't like I, it's really hard for me to guess what people see mm-hmm. you know because I'm like I don't know I just like doing it and I think they people keep saying you know you have a very unique voice but I don't I mean like what does that mean really sure. I don't know so um, I so I, so I worked with them on it and we developed the script and then I just pitch it we pitch it to MTV and then they bought it and then. A few months went by, and then they picked it up. Picked it up to pilot. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Were there rewrites once you got involved? With yeah, MTV? yeah, we did. I did a rewrite and three polishes for mm-hmm. MTV because the um, I had done like for Blumhouse, it, we were thinking more like a CW show or you like ABC or something. Mm-hmm. But and so it was like kind of older, and MTV wanted it like you know sixteen to twenty four mm-hmm. sort of. So we aged it down. I aged it down for MTV a lot. Um, you know, sh- the lead was like. 26, you know, in the old one, now she's like 20, and so it's just like much more focused for teenagers and stuff like that. How was that notes process for you? I mean, you really hadn't good. gone through that before. Well, I did it with the Blumhouse people. Right? Oh, okay. Um, so they the you up. <laughs> yeah, they well, Gerard, who's like their head of like um, TV, is like a professor too at NYU, so he's it was very much like a student professor kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. Wasn't you know, like he's he wasn't he was really cool because he, right. he knows he how was to more have teacher. That conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so then when I got to MTV, there were much more like producer notes, but I I never I guess because I also write short stories <clears throat> and novels, like that's my thing that I'm like much more um, like anal about I guess is the word so this precious yeah precious or just like irritating like I don't (laughs) but like something like a tv script it's like all about collaboration so you just feel like especially the people who are paying you you like want to give them what they want you know and so that is the job (laughs) so I never never have problems taking notes because I never felt like it was really mine you know I felt like it was everybody's and we're all just trying to make it good and I never felt like God, that person just wants to hear themselves talk, or mm-hmm. they don't know what they're saying. Like I know, I never thought that. I thought Give everyone. Give it time, it'll happen. But, <laughs> well, but but no, but that's a great attitude to have. I mean, yeah. a lot it's, of people, it's just like it's, on the table, and like yes. everyone should just like. Well, especially it's, it's someone else's property. I mean, yeah. and that's the situation we found mm-hmm. ourselves in right. with our pilot. That it was an idea based on something pre-existing that you know these people own the rights to. They want to see it, you know, come to fruition mm-hmm. in, in television. Mm-hmm what's the best possible version of it? Yeah. And let's all work together on, yeah, on yeah. making that thing sellable. And once it sells, then now it's let's make this the best possible version for script form. Right. You know? And then yeah, yeah. hopefully for pilot. Yeah, know? that's what the weird process is too, is that like you write one script to sell it and it's more like, it's like easy to read, you know, <laughs> and like there's more description in it. And then like from that version to like the shooting version, it's yeah. like, I mean like 20 pages shorter. Uh, like, oh, yeah. You, just, you like slash and slash and like, Oh, oh my god, so, he yeah, just cuts like, so much. You're like, 
Yeah, especially yeah. for like MTV, it's like they were like what, it's forty one minutes. Like my original, my original yeah. script was like um, was it like fifty five pages or something? No, it was like even that. more. It was like sixty, sixty two or sixty three, yeah. which, which, so, which yeah. feels right. It's just it's like right. <laughs> I told the complete story. <laughs> I know. It, it's an hour, like, right? Two, you know, well, two MTV was your presentation pilot. They're shooting presentations. Mm. I don't know. Did CW do that? No, um, not really. I mean, they they actually you know they 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 go right into the pilots. Yeah, they don't have time to mess around because unfortunately. What you're dealing with is like I call it the you know we're in that what's called the Hunger Games stage of pilot season right now <laughs> right. because everybody's starting to turn in their scripts yeah. right. and then all the networks are going to make the decisions right. and because we still you know networks still haven't moved to that year round schedule yet mm-hmm. where they keep talking about it right. but it's not really they're inching closer and closer and so what happens is in, in the next month they're going to make their determination on which scripts they actually want to shoot and then they're going to start shooting them around like February and March yeah. and then it becomes a real feeding frenzy because yeah, everybody's trying to get those same four actors yeah. for I every know. pilot. I mean, it was crazy casting out. eye candy, and there yeah. was nothing really else casting. And yeah. I swear to God, I'm, I, we saw it because Catherine Harder directed it, so like yeah. a lot of people auditioned for her, and it was like. I think I saw every male actor from the age of like 19 to 30. Like, seriously. And she would like email friends of hers and be like, want to play an eye candy? So it wasn't even just people who, right. it was like people who would never come into audition. And like, it was just so weird. I'm like, how does something, cat? And then she would talk, she directed like Reckless, a CBS thing. Oh, yeah. And she would talk about, she was like, she directed it during that time. And just like, you'd, you'd be ready to cast an actor and they'd walk out of the room and then like, you wouldn't be able to because like two seconds later, they'd be like, option yep. for something else. And it was like, oh my God. <laughs> That sounds like a. Sounds Don't like answer a your phone. Stay right here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like well, what are these chants for? And then you deal with the you know the networks that and and when they get these ideas like getting the, the big you know let's get Martin Sheen. Yeah. Right. Like, Martin Sheen's not going to do a CW show. <laughs> it's like you know. Why? <laughs> why? Well, yes, but if it's like yeah, if it's produced by Steven Spielberg, sure. and it's like, you know, it's like yeah. so the, you have yeah, to go to the round. Really they'll they'll, they'll put sure. out these offers for these people. And then you're sitting around waiting, and then finally it'll be like Martin Sheen passed, and then yeah. you've missed out on five other actors right. in that time. Yeah. You may not. That's what happened. Yeah. I, there was one. Uh, there was yeah. one character. I mean, that he's only in the pilot. MTV wanted Justin Timberlake to do it. Yeah, exactly. But, but that's the thing. Like, we were you, like oh it, it's the old adage: you never know until you ask. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And they have some relationship with him, so they thought maybe right, exactly. he would do it. But um, we, they waited that's for funny. a really long time, and we didn't cast. We didn't do like any any casting for it until like a week before we were supposed to start shooting and so you know we cast it out of New York you know mm-hmm. right because we were already there but it was just right. like well then they, they gave up they gave up on him after like two weeks but then they were like then they asked they were like Anton Yelton and like all these like mm-hmm. huge people and we were just like dream on guys I hear they are good really to work filled. with I do want to hear a little bit about yeah. that but uh, let's talk to you guys uh, Derek and Benjamin um, take us back a little bit. Uh, where are you in the process now? What is your pilot about? You guys had a kind of a lot of action these past few months. It's, it's, it's since Warehouse finished. It's been a it's been a busy few months. Yeah. 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 Um, and you were on Warehouse thirteen for how five many seasons? Oh, yeah. 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 I like the show. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah. We'll talk about <laughs> what you guys learned on that because I know it's a great a great learning. It was. It really was. Um, um, but talk to me about this pilot season. So so this past summer. Uh, after Warehouse, you know, wrapped up the fifth season, we went out to just take meetings, and, and our agents sent us out, and uh, we met with uh, Condé Nast, um, Gina Marcheschi over there, and they have the old Street and Smith pulp serial library. So, you know, Doc Savage, The Shadow, and this other one called The Avenger. 
um, which was the one that they hadn't kind of found a, a home for it. You know, they wanted to, they, they saw potential in it and wanted to see what could we do with it. So they let us take a crack at it, and we came in with a take that, that Gina really responded to. And it was one of those things, too, where you, when you come in with a take and you're like, okay, this is what we, because you know, the, the problem is it's a 70-year-old it's a pulp novel. And 70 years ago, it's fantastic when you have, you know, um, a millionaire loses wife and child to, you know... <laughs> Under mysterious circumstances, circumstances. And they disappear <laughs> off a flight. It's yeah, like, and what? then, you know, it decides to fight crime. You're like, never heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, 70 years ago, yes, that's genius, that's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, now, not so now not so much. So mm-hmm. it was like trying to find and land that, that, that interesting, okay, how do we, you know... Embrace the what you know the spirit of the of the Avenger, but make it different enough so that mm-hmm. people would say like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And so we kind of started first. We we you know had to update it, bring it into the twenty first century. That was the first challenge. And, was there. and then when we did that, we were like, okay, this is good. But then there was still that sort of like, well, again, he's still a millionaire that fights crime. <laughs> and, right. and then, but but at the heart of the the, yeah. the 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 thing, the hook for us, the thing that yeah. made us sit up and go like, oh, this this could be something interesting, is that. After his wife and daughter are taken on this in the middle of this flight uh, from Buffalo to Montreal, um, you know those flights <laughs> dangerous. Not a flying <laughs> route you want to fly. Um, he uh, he wakes up in a hospital after getting knocked out, and his hair is turned white, his skin is turned deathly pale, and there's this sort of like rigor mortis is set in in his face that he discovers he can mold and change his face and change his identity. They never explain it. That's one of those things like the, the hand wavium of, of, uh, yeah. of, of, of Tulsa, nice. where it's like, yeah, you wake up in a plane crash, and, you know, but now your face, you can change it and change, change your identity. So, but like, that's kind of cool. It, it, was, and that it was, was like the yeah. magic of it, because like, why do you need to know the answer? Well, well yeah. there's, there's, there's always someone who's like, how did he do that? Yes. Just accept it. it yes. <laughs> but, but that was the thing that said to us, like, okay, this is, there's your hook. There's the thing that makes this interesting and different. Mm-hmm. And when we kind of pitched our take on the world that this guy inhabits, Gina's response was, well, what if it was not him? What if it's his daughter? And that opened up a whole realm of possibilities. Wow. Now it's a younger version. It's, you know, it, at the time we were, you know, watching a lot of Orphan Black and biohacking was just in our head. And it was just, <laughs> it was like, oh, that, well, there's your answer, mm-hmm. you know. So it became about this girl who finds herself plane crash, life, you know, altered inexplicably, suddenly has this ability and mm-hmm. go. It's, so. it's interesting, though, that, that that final turn on it came from her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like, that you guys had a pitch that you were excited mm-hmm. about, and then clearly she was excited about you guys pitching it. Right. Um, but that came from her. I'm always curious about these kind of cattle call pitches, mm-hmm. because I assume there were a number of writers and teams going in to pitch on this property. Well, and in this in this case, I think there was like maybe one other person okay. or something like that. Where no, there were there, there were like thirty people. No, there was just thirty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But even there so was, was there was there was an entire city. Yeah. And they, they had Buffalo edition for it. When you guys when you guys are going in for something that you know other writers are going in, right. or even yeah. if it is oh, one or ten, yeah. Yeah. like. What's your approach? How do you just do it? How far do you go to set yourself apart? How far do you go to say this is you, what I think you can't cool? try to anticipate and guess yeah. what another person, you know, case in point? Like, mm-hmm. if we ran into you and saw you in the lake, and we'd be like, oh crap, these guys. <laughs> it's like, it's well, it's funny though. Where were we? Oh, oh it we, was, we, yeah, yes, we had one, yes. we had a, a pitch meeting at one place where we saw. 
we saw our version, like our doppelgangers, yes. <laughs> basically sitting Sit there, you working know, like, on it. I know nice. what they're pitching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly what they're pitching. So you you just gotta come up with your you know what what excites you, <coughs> what what is it that you want to see, what you want to tell, and hopefully you'll be able to you know convey that in a way that other people will get it and and want to be involved with it. And it's, and it's also a combination of you know they they've read a writing sample of yours. Yeah. They see they see what your sample spec is like and, and what your style is like, and does it suit? You know, do do we see your vision for this property matched with your ability level and mm-hmm. say yes this is this is a right fit and yeah, we lucked out in that regard you're yeah. in that room to pitch for a reason exactly in the first pretty much and, and the one thing that definitely you know helped us and we because we knew like once we knew that warehouse was coming to an end we were like okay we've been on here for five years five seasons it's like we have not had to really audition or yeah. to, you know apply it's for work. Yeah. You, get, know, it's right. like, you get comfortable. You get comfortable. Yeah. And, and pitching in the room like is very different. Very different. Pitching yeah. too. Exactly. Right. And so one of the things that we know is like, well, you have to have your you have to have material. Mm-hmm. And so you know, it's like it's great to show like, yeah, yeah. I got five seasons of Warehouse, yeah, but where, it's like, where, where what have you done? <laughs> you know, what have you grown? Shown you? Yeah. And so we you know we sat down and we we wrote a uh, a, a spec. Uh, original pilot, and it was a that was a dark sort of twisted thriller, and completely the opposite so of everything it, we did on Warehouse, which yeah. is this this fun family adventure romp right. kind of show. We we said let's there we didn't have the letters V F X in, in a row <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah, in this script, it was like as real world as you could get right. for us. And, and this was obviously a concerted effort, but yes. it must have been a story that you guys wanted to tell. Sure, yeah, it Absolutely. was. I mean, because yeah. we're, we're you know we're not just fans of sci fi and, and the genre and stuff, you know. Love again, it's Breaking Red, mm-hmm. great drama, yeah. and so we knew that there's other worlds to play in, and we and this was a story that we were like, oh, this could be a really cool story, yeah. and but at the same time, we knew that it also had to show as a, as a introduce or reintroduce ourselves to the world mm-hmm. out there to this town of like, okay, who are these guys? Because the executives that we met five years ago, even three years ago, they all <laughs> changed, they're all gone, <laughs> yeah. and so once we read this, and our our agent was really excited, it's like, yeah, this could really do stuff, and then he he put it out there because That's our funny. strategy was like okay we cannot be unemployed yeah. <laughs> it's like we need yeah. a job yeah. we need to find something but even and, even, even after you know we, we got our version of the pitch was the one that Condé Nast liked yeah. then it was that was just step one yeah. step two was get a producer attached and we ended up connecting with Neil, uh, Bear. Neil Bear's company oh, that's right. so Jessica Shulman over there mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and you know which again was an interesting meeting because it wasn't necessarily it was about uh, it wasn't about the Avenger we went in it was a general Jessica read mm-hmm. us and and during the course of the conversation she said what are you guys working on and it was like well we were working with Connie Nass on this and she was like we pitched her and she was like you know what I think Neil would really like this you should come back and pitch it so we all came back in and we pitched it, and it's like the, it was the second easiest pitch of our career. Because like ten minutes into the pitch, Neil said, "Okay, I got a couple of questions," and he asked wow. a couple of questions, and we—I mean, we weren't even finished with the pitch. No, no, and it was, we had all written. Yeah, out. we had all written out, and, and he was like, "Okay, oh, and, oh, there's more." There's, yeah, and and then and then uh, he asked a couple of questions, and he says, "Okay, so do you guys want to come back in and repitch it to me, or do you want to take it to the studio?" So we walked out of there, and we said, "I." Think Neil's on board. It's like we don't know yeah, what just nice. happened there. And it's been great with him. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. Yeah, well, honestly, I mean, this was the thing. I, we actually ran into each other right here mm-hmm. at yeah. Meltdown, yeah. just as this was yeah. kind of getting going. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it felt like this was a thing that all the writers were sent out to go find production companies or find producers, and then you'd go to studio. And it was like it, it was kind of a process this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, more so, I think, than in the past. What? Does a producer bring to the table for guys like you? Well, in Neil's case, he had a deal. 
Sure. Yeah. So, so, he, so, so, I mean, part of what which the, most of these production companies exactly. Yeah. So he's accountable for bringing the studio product mm -hmm. and, and, and content. So you know, this fell under the. It, it was like this yeah. is going to be the pitch. Like we, we yeah, the pitch. Yeah, yeah. Like when we sat down with CBS, he was like, okay, so these guys, you know, I've got a really great idea, and this is the only pitch I'm bringing in. We were like, wait, what? I mean, he had other things, yeah. I think, but it was just like look, that was a lot of pressure. I think. Yeah. Um, but that's it. I mean, their their yeah. you know job is to sort of deliver content and, and material for every pilot season. So mm -hmm. you know, we were lucky to have connected with a guy who had the right sensibility, who had a, a great, you know, depth and breadth of experience. Um, and it doesn't hurt that he's coming off the, you know, that summary is coming off the, the highest rated yep. uh, you know, yeah, mini uh, series, you know, yeah. limited series right. whatever you want. What right. they that call was a big it? success like for the, the studio. Yeah. Sure. So then they were like, okay, what else, we, you know, we want to be in the business with Neil and that's great. So, so when so, when did this sell, and then what was the turnaround for the script? We sold it uh, the day after your birthday, two days before mine. Yeah. October, that doesn't help our listeners. October, <laughs> October 11th, 2013, we, we got the call uh, from from the producers that, that the network mm -hmm. was, was on board. Which is pretty, it's kind of late, it right? Was, yeah. It was near the end of the pitch season, because we, we had pitched to one other network, mm -hmm. and then we got a call that morning saying like oh that network passed and they passed for these reasons and and it was just like well all right, all right fine i'm not getting out of bed it's like i, I was like i'm just staying in my t-shirt underwear i'm not getting out of bed i'm not doing anything until we get another call <laughs> and then that i was home and i was dressed yeah <laughs> then that afternoon we got the call and they were like hey so and they kind of did it in the tricky way of like you know don't worry about the other network that's how things happen it's the bad news yeah, it's the bad news and we just want to wish you guys happy birthday you know ben birthday and, oh by the way CW just bought your pilot. Yeah, so that, was, that was a really cool we're thing. We're like, what? That's amazing. And it was, it was, it was that sort of, you know, it's, it's, it's was interesting because like when we went in to pitch the CW, it's again we had Neil, we had Condi Nass, we had the president of Condi Nass fly out from New York. Yeah, Donald Trump, former Ostrof. head of CW. No, yeah. yeah. yeah so. so it was, it was at, at one point <laughs> when we were sitting in the, in the, in the, in the, in the lobby. And then Mark Pedowitz comes out. And they're all hanging out They're and talking all hanging and out. At each other. And we were like, are we, supposed we? To, yeah, are we supposed to be here? Are we supposed to be sitting on <laughs> yeah. the same couch? <laughs> it's like, we'll move to the back. Yeah. <laughs> A separate pitching room for yeah. writers. Yeah. That's and then, so then we pitched to Tom Sherman and, and Gay Hirsch and... Um, what was it? Uh, Mathanel. Mathanel. And, and the thing was, you know, it was kind of one of those things. Like, they do the preamble, and then Tom Sherman goes, okay, and go. You know, it's like, wow. well, yeah. Yeah. so then it's performance time, so then you have to yeah, approach it's always it. that awkward moment. Yeah. I hate that. Like, so the weather and the traffic. Yes. Oh, yeah. right. And then they all look at you, and you're like, oh. Oh, oh yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? You want to hear it now? <laughs> Can we just Are talk more sure? about the traffic? <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know how to respond to that comment about the 101. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming up with quits. Yes. Yes. Um, Every meeting is always, a, it's like the Californians. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, when, you, when you sold Eye Candy, did you have to go in and pitch what a season would be, what a oh, series yeah, yeah, would be? Yeah. So you, you had the same sort mm. of weird sitting on couches. Yeah. And... No, well, this was in a conference room, and it was with, Catherine was on the phone because she was shooting mm -hmm. Reckless in one of the Carolinas. And then Jason Blum was there, and people, some people I'd never met. My agent was there, and then like a bunch of MTV people. So yeah, I was just in a conference room, and I just like talked for like twenty minutes. <laughs> and were, how how did were you prepared for this? In that you know you had broken that stuff before the pilot, or was it you know specially prepared um, for this meeting? It was, yeah, no, because because we aged it down. So mm -hmm. the pitch was how it. Well, actually, no, wait, I'm sorry. We sold the pilot. We sold the 
based on the pilot I'd written for Blumhouse, so it was mm-hmm. like older. It was so so I had to pitch to them what the younger version oh, okay. would be. So it was before the rewrite. Yeah, yeah. It was like we like this, we're buying it now. Tell us what the show is. Well, no, they entirely. hadn't bought it. They were like, oh, okay. So I was pitching it to them as you know, like I can make it something for MTV, uh, yeah, and this is how I would do it. Um, but they'd already read, so they knew what I, they knew what I could do because right. they'd read they'd read a couple of my spec pilot and I candy, and also they. Um, Catherine was already attached to direct, and like Jason Blum is somebody they really wanted to be in business with, and you know, so it wasn't like, you know, it's not a high you, pressure pitch, but it's still you want to sell it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, but yeah, I mean, I was nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Good, uh, you should be. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then for you guys, the selling season didn't end there. Am I correct? Uh, no, no, we had one other thing that's been going on that yeah, we can't talk about. Okay, but. it's still not tied up. Well, no, it is. It, it oh. is, but the official won't be until <laughs> yeah. this month. It's, it's okay. so once it does, then then we then we can talk about it, it freely. Yeah, yes, but we're very yeah. excited. It's, it's it, it, you know it's one of those things where you, you go through staffing season and it doesn't happen and and and, and we've said this yeah. you know a million times to each other. So I'll now say it for the podcast audience. <laughs> it's you know you you you. I'm not speaking for you, I'll speak for me You get a job on a show You work on that show for X number of years And when it's over and you don't get another job You go, did did I just get hired because someone else had low standards you know am I kidding myself is that and and and, and so you spend those 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 few months going like this, this this I've got a family I've got a mortgage I've got a lot riding on this this needs to not have been a fluke that you know was the longest job that I've ever had and and when this stuff happened you look back at it and you go all that anxiety all that stress and fear and worry going through staffing season had it panned out in the positive, this would not be happening. Absolutely. So it's yeah. it is just to the perseverance and the patience and the you know just getting <laughs> through it. <laughs> right. I mean, you can say that, especially now being on the other side. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, and we've talked about this on the podcast before. But staffing and selling season are just so emotionally oh brutal. God, it is. Yeah. Uh, like it, it tears you down, uh, or can if you right. let it in so many ways. Had had we gone out with a pilot that you know was just ours, we might not have had as much success. We were lucky mm-hmm. in that the stars aligned, we met the right people. Those people are people that that this industry wants to be in business with, and we recognize that how great you know grateful we should be for that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys were also don't shortchange yourself. You were also ready for it. You know, I guess so. I mean, yes, that's, the th- that's a big part of it. Sure. Is, you know, yes, you had all the right pieces in place, um, uh, and, and you as well. I mean that, but the talent is there, and you know the work has been done. You know, you guys were ready for the opportunity. Uh, now we see what happens when the shows get made. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, in our case, because it, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's it is that whole. Of course, yeah, they will. You know, they'll read the script. They'll decide is it going to get shot or not. You know, how so, many? Do you know how many they develop? How many they decide? I think it's like close to like thirty or something like that. that how many of those are like comedy? That? How many are drama? Um, it's a big year. It's a big yeah. It's, it's so like a basically year, they have so. thirty and they're deciding to shoot like ten of them or something. Probably yeah. That's normally the number is like between eight and ten, I think, or something like that, and. Then and it's, it's are you are you sitting here like hoping that shows don't do well on <laughs> network? They drop off. <laughs> you, more room. last year they, um, I had a general there, and last year they had, um, they like almost picked up all of their. Didn't they, yeah. they did pick up a bunch. They yeah. the ones that they all they the shot. shot. Yes, yeah. yes. Because, because, because they so also were mid season. Some of them were, you know, like so many right. show editions were at the end. Yes. Right. So they picked up a ton. So so. There were shows but, that were shot last. Was it? 
lat the 2011 that aren't going to be showing until like later on this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's yeah. some that. So it's like it's interesting. I mean, although yeah. then though when it does get on on a network like CW, mm-hmm. it's 24 episodes. Right. I mean, yeah. it's not just 12 like it could be on another network right. or on cable. It's, Right. You're in there for the long haul. They, they, they don't. They just order more. They don't just order thirteen. They order all twenty-four. Well, they, they actually they do like the the nine. So and yeah, the nine is like thirteen. The thirteen in the back. Pick up. Yeah, they order, the other more, they order more. Oh, they yeah. yeah. I think I think it's a mix. It depends uh, on yeah. on the show. I think that's that's where their process I think right. lives. Yeah. Because yeah. I think Arrow was like thirteen, and then, and then, got, to then it got to nine, and then they got an additional episode that first season. Right. Yeah, because it was like doing so well that they ordered another script. Yeah, was was it Skya or was it talking about like when you get to that that seventeen or eighteen and you start to break? (laughs) (laughs) You just realize that you are not even close to being done. It's like, yeah, you you guys must have had this kind of thing on Warehouse. I mean, it was the orders were shorter, but it was still season four was twenty. 20 episodes. And, and for us, as we were a 13 episode season, so yeah. like we would start in fall, we'd go into production early, you know, early winter, uh, and then be done by spring, summer. Yeah. When they gave us the 20, it was that was year. like. I remember that. Yeah, that, that was, was a long year. <laughs> 14 months. I mean, that's, like, that's the longest I've been employed since I became a writer <laughs> was on that season. Well, what happens in the room? I mean,. Yeah, I mean, writers talk about this, but I don't know that we've yeah. really talked about it much on the podcast. What happens in the room? Halfway through the year, when you go, oh my god, we still have ten more episodes. Some people go crazy. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah, some, some people just some implode. People. <laughs> some people but, shut down. But if you have a good like, leader, you have yeah. someone who who keeps their shit together mm-hmm. and is like, look, we have we all have a job to do. Let's do it to the best of our ability. We know it's going to be hellish, but we are in these trenches together. It right? starts at the top. It, it really does. does. It really yeah. does. It's yeah. like you know, the showrunner makes makes or break a show. I mm-hmm. mean, that, that really does in that way of where. Um, you have some because you're in a room 12, 13 hours a day staring at the same five, six, seven people. Although we were lucky, like, we were, yeah, we were 12 or 13 hours. We were, we were a 10 yes. to 6 room. That's right. true. Almost religiously. Well, that's the, we're, we're the rarity, which we yeah. discovered. And, and that's the other thing. It's like there's some rooms where they just keep going. And it's like, you know, but it's that yeah. diminishing return. Yeah. It's like our, our showrunner was like, look. I have a life outside of here. I want to go. <laughs> I don't want to look at you guys. You guys, I don't do whatever. Go home. Do what. Do whatever you want. Just don't be here. Well, yeah, <laughs> so Jack Kenny. Yeah. His his attitude was, "I'll be refreshed and rejuvenated, and yeah. so will you, and I'll get better stories out of you." You know, yeah. which that's which is absolutely right. Yeah. And I think it's becoming more and more the way things go. You yeah. know, I think showrunners, especially as, you know, younger showrunners are taking over, the ones who weren't creating content in the 80s and 90s, right. yeah. when it really was a, a factory. You mean when they had a bowl of Coke to keep them going? Exactly. <laughs> it's all different now. It's all different now. <laughs> I mean, you're still, you're still working at home, you're still writing at Absolutely. night, and you're up till 2 o'clock in the morning, but right. you're doing it in the comfort of your own home, right. so it just makes it more palatable, and, and yeah. you're not as fried the next day. Right. Um, presumably, uh, for eye candy, they're going to match you with a showrunner. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they they sent a bunch of scripts over that we're all supposed to read um, for staffing, but I don't know how much, I don't know how that, why you happened. Oh, because that's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, don't, I was like, I haven't read them yet because I'm just like, oh my God, I don't know. Um, but I don't know, because like, they would just, they, they have, like, MTV has ideas and then Blumhouse has mm-hmm. ideas. And like... Um, I'm pretty I'm pretty anal about like certain writing things that like I notice like if somebody like I don't know 
like grammar or something. <laughs> well, what, no, what are those things? I'm curious. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, um, if you've submitted a script to Eye Candy, just know what you're doing. This won't be long until after you start. I don't know. Like, if the grammar's really bad, I, I get really irritated. I mean, yeah. Well, hopefully the ones that they're sending, they're not sending, like, they just got know, them man. off the I've internet. I've some really it's, bad scripts. You'd be surprised what people will you know, put out. And, and not just in the dialogue. You're talking, like, like in the in actual... Action, yeah, like, in action. Like, in action. The dialogue is actually less than... I mean, right. just as long as it's good, like grammar doesn't have to be correcting dialogue, it would probably sure. sound shitty right. as it was. But like, I just mean like, um, if there's like a lot of cliches in it, you know, like he raked his hand through his hair, or like, you know, just like anything. Sure. What's wrong with that? I do that every day. <laughs> I run my hand through my hair. Have you read the eel, the freaking um, the like. There's like erotica books. Oh, no. Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, like the no. first, but like every, uh, like at three times a page at least, there's the ca- a character, the guy, the main guy, uh-huh. raking his hands through his hair. That's how. That's what frustration is. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. So if you, if you, I don't know, if there's like a word in the script mm-hmm. that's used. Like a really specific word, I don't know. They use it wrong. They, yeah. No, the they use it more than once. Really showing. Yeah. If they if they move if if you use like a word that's like a very specific right. word, yeah. like more than once in a script, right. I'll be like, oh my god, you know? Like, right. I don't know. Right. Like, it's, your, it's your default for that action, and yeah, you can't yeah. convey it another way. But it's a, it's different characters. It's but like, like adverbs, you know, overuse mm-hmm. of adverbs is really irritating to me. I don't know. It's just stupid like writer things. Are, well, are you aware of your own tics as a writer, and do you like? Once you're going through a draft, do you go and look for that stuff, or or is it part I, of the process? I think it's part of the process. Mm-hmm. Like I would hope that I don't put that in there. Like as soon as I write an adverb, I take it out, or I try. I try to be like, run quickly. Like what's a better word? Sprint mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. like I just try to find a better word, a sure. better a better verb or a better noun. Right. Or Where something. your high school teacher would write word choice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's really right. basic. Yeah. I don't know. Like it just kicks me out, and sometimes it's a problem because sometimes people aren't specific. Like especially with TV. People aren't necessarily good at like word choices and putting words mm-hmm. together, but their like overall concept is really good. Or they're or like you can imagine that what they would put out what the result would be would be like amazing, but they just don't know how to like convey it in words, which isn't necessarily a bad thing for TV because it's a visual medium. You know what I mean? Well, but you but, have to find that balance. Yeah. I mean, it still has to be a script that is it's going to be read. Right. Right. That's, yeah. That's you would truth. you would hope that somebody who has like gone that far would know. <laughs> Like how to make somebody interested really quickly with just wor- a few words, as mm. opposed to I don't know, I don't know. But um, yeah, I don't. I don't well, it's, it's like it's like, the, it's like the first line of a novel. If it's not, if, yeah. it, if there's no punch to it, yeah, it's yeah, just, then, it's the then, same thing with the script. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you read past that first sentence? Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Um, what is the process for you guys when you're? I mean, you know, when you're on staff somewhere, you're kind of a slave to the machine. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're working on your own stuff, how do you guys go about breaking and? Than the writing process. It's a lot of talking. Yeah, I mean, it has to be a lot of talking. You know, you, there's second guessing. There's a lot of second guessing. <laughs> Usually on my part. <laughs> yeah. So you like, so right. you just have sessions. I we mean, just, like, what's it like to have a writing partner? Can you imagine? Well, we've been Do writing partners. Yeah, yeah, we've been we've been writing partners since. Oh yeah. Do you, do you like fight so much that you never want to talk? No, to it's like around? Rocky yeah. and, and Apollo Creed. You get on the gloves. I'm Apollo Creed. <laughs> and, yeah, in this case, yeah, it's, and you can it's offend much darker each other. than me. Like, yeah. Do you do you ever like say nasty things? And, no, like, no, no. It's like we've been yell. riding together at like for, you, you don't make it. Personal. We've been like over, no, over, over close to thirteen years now. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. We, we met we met in a comic store back in two thousand one. Oh, I always forget that. Yeah. That is hilarious. Our, oh, wait, our origin me. story. Yeah, yeah. You have to tell me this, but we've never. We spent all staff. 
he's even telling the story, but we will share it with the audience. Oh, you no. get so sick of it. Right? It is. That's the whole That's thing. It's, story like, it's like it, even story. everybody out there listening. It's like make sure you have a good story yeah, that you're not going to get too true. sick of, but it's easy to tell. Years. Yeah, that's true. No, we're like, not how, the same how, how did you mean? Right. <laughs> but for some people, it is the first time they're hearing exactly. it, so it's new to them. Yeah. Um, you can give me the short version. The short version is we were in a, at DJ's Universal Comics in Studio City. I had just moved out here from New York. I came from comics. I was a, an editor at Marvel. I was a writer, uh, freelance, and my wife got a job here in Los Angeles, so we moved out. And uh, this is 2001. I'd been living here about a year and a half. Still hadn't figured out how to break into the industry. You know, it wasn't wasn't really even really trying that hard because comics was sort of the dream, and that's where I wanted to be. And you know, that's what I came from, and I loved it. Um, and then I'm in a comic book store. It's a Wednesday, so it's New Comics Day, and and there's this. You know, as, a, as an industry professional, you don't engage. You just stand by and buy your books and, and leave. That, that's sort of just how I always approach it. was before Twitter, before yeah. social yeah. media. Exactly. Social media was the comic book store. Right, exactly. <laughs> so here, you know... I'm, I'm, it was uh, Cheers. Yeah, you go into the comic yeah. book store. You can never sell that show, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to watch that. Cheers in the comic book exactly. store? Exactly. <laughs> the closest is Big Bang. Yeah, here. exactly. That's true. What is it? Big Bang Theory, that, where they go yeah. into the comic book store. Uh, yeah. yeah. So anyway, so I hear this guy talking about, you know, complaining about a book that's late. It's book Planetary, and which, you know, is an awesome series, Warren Ellis, John Cassidy, and uh, and I'm just like, yeah, this guy keeps running his mouth about complaining about how late this book is, and, like, and you know, he's like, he's lazy fucking artists, and I'm like... I was pissed. <laughs> I was pissed. I was like, that was when Planetary was running really. It, it was like, I remember. It, it, was, like it was six yeah. months. Six late. months late. I love yeah. Warren Ellis. I love his work. John and Cassidy is one of my favorites. Like, the book was amazing. Yeah, if you never read Planetary, highly recommend picking up. It's it's fantastic. <laughs> but man, was it late! And it was like I had read somewhere. I think it was like Comic News Insider or something like that that it said like it's going to be coming out this Wednesday. So I was like, yes, finally! And I race over there, and I was a writer's assistant on a, a show called. Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda, and so we uh, the writers' room was in Studio City, and so I go down the street and then go pick up my comic, and it's not there, and I'm just like, what do you mean it's not here? I'm just like, these who lazy you artists. The clerk? Like, who were you talking? Well, to? I was talking to the comic shop owner. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I can't do anything about it. But it's like every now and then you run into an, an idiot that likes to bitch and complain about something. Today was my day. Today was my day to be that idiot. Because normally I do. I'm pretty in the in the know. And and then it's like they, this it's, like, it's like because most artists they d- during that time it's like they had a bad habit mm-hmm. of of being late on books and for whatever yeah. reason playing video games whatever whatever <laughs> the thing sure that comes out there. Yeah. Wait, so, is this what he was saying? I oh yeah, like oh yeah, this is exactly <laughs> this, what I'm saying. This is why I'm like, all right. I, 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 I guess I will have to engage because the guy that you're bashing happens to be one of my best friends who stood up for me at my wedding, and you're complaining about his work ethic. And I know for a fact he hasn't seen. Yeah, now it's months. like now you know now it's like John. I love John. And he's great and we're friends yeah. and stuff like that. But back then he was just my, one of my favorite artists, and he was letting me down. Yeah. And it's just so. like I was like, oh. and so when Ben said you're absolutely wrong, I'm like looking at this guy. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> 
how do you know this? And he goes, well, he happened to be one of my best friends. It's like, okay, and you are, and then Cat goes, this is Ben Rab. He wrote Excalibur, he did this, and this book, and this book, and he never said it like, you know, like, you should know me, right. I'm Ben Rab. He was just introducing was himself, just, yeah. and I was like, looking, I was like, Ben Rab, that name sounds so familiar. And then when he, when Cat said all that stuff, I just looked at him and said, I always thought you were older and fatter. <laughs> Hi, I'm sorry I have to cut into this riveting conversation to tell you about our other advertiser for today's podcast. That is Gourmet Foods Berries. What's the worst Valentine's gift you've ever received? I'll tell you the worst one I ever got. It was a box of dirt. It was during a vampire phase. It was all very strange. But yeah, a box of dirt. I threw it right in the yard. Here's a better Valentine's gift. Giant, freshly dipped strawberries from Sherry's Berries, starting at $19.99. That's over 40% savings, or double the berries for just $10 more. You just need my code, WRITERS, when you order. W-R-I-T-E-R-S. WRITERS. They're dipped in white milk and dark chocolate. You can get them topped with chocolate chips or nuts or whatever. 40% 40% off from Sherry's Berries. Enormous, romantic, fresh, juicy, mouth-watering. Let me tell you something. We got some of these sent to the old Nerdist Writers Panel offices, uh, which is in a giant skyscraper downtown. And um, I gave them to my secretary. And let me tell you something. She was blown away. Now that secretary is my wife. Here's the only way to get this amazing Valentine's Day deal. Giant freshly dipped strawberries starting at $19.99 or double the berries for just $10 more. Visit berries.com, B-E-R-R-I-E-S.com. Click on the microphone in the top right corner and type in writers, the word writers, W-R-I-T-E-R-S. Go to berries.com, click on the microphone, type in writers, order today, make someone's Valentine's Day more than just a box of dirt. And now, back to our podcast. Because uh, growing, up in the, in the, in the, in, growing up in the 70s and 80s, yeah. growing up in the 70s and 80s, like, whenever you saw comic book writers, like, pictures of them, they were the doughy, fat, white dudes. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was been They were the bearded, doughy, fat, white dudes. That's all I thought the comic book writers were. And so, <laughs> so, 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 started, so you know, not this rock star. Yeah, this guy looked like a rock star. And, 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 and so... <laughs> He, you know, when they found out what he was doing out here, he, he's like, and I, you know, I explained what I was doing. He wanted to pick my brain because he wanted to make that transition into hmm. film and television. So we just started, you know, over lunch, talking about you know. ideas and realized, you know, we had so much in common and, sure. and just the same sensibility. And and so the the to your question of how you know being writing partners, um, we started working on a Smallville spec. So, we, you, so, you, so you were like, okay, let's write this together. You had like the moment, or were you just... Well, it wasn't yeah. so much... It's, like, it's sort of like a proposal. It, well, it, it is. is. Like it's, it's, it's more of a, but it was more like easing into, a, into yeah. a hot bath, you yeah. know? Like, it's like, it's the water, so, so it's right... Was like, let's try to do this, and the yeah. other one was like... Yeah, yeah. Okay. It, it, you got an idea for Smallville. Let's, let's see if we can you're make You're throwing ideas. Well, actually, even before that, though, it was Robert Robert Wolf, who's also a very good friend of ours now, and he was the showrunner on Andromeda. He said, hey, when you guys are ready, because he knew that we were like just working on stuff, and, and Robert always had said to me initially, when I first started working, he says, would there become a point in time when you'll be able to pitch an episode? I, you know, I'm going to let you pitch an episode. Was Andromeda your first that was job my first, in Hollywood, too? N- no, actually, that was my first uh, writer's assistant gig in Hollywood. Okay. Before that, I was like a PA. I was working over at MTV. I was oh, working so on really Beach One, like, Post. Went through what you are supposed oh, to yeah. do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did the grind. I was nice. a runner. Let's get that band show on. Bands on the Run I like on VH1. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was a post uh, post PA on that, and 
that's a great education for someone starting out in the business. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, various things. I, my very first job was a PA over on the Paramount lot, and it was uh, this show called Moral Court with Judge Larry Elder. Uh, <laughs> and what, and part of my job was like, I, you know, hey, I got to ride and drive the golf cart. Because I got to go pick up the, the people at the gate in my golf cart and driving around on the lot and, you know, driving by the May West building. And I was like, it was like cool stuff. You're like, Absolutely. you're on the lot. and, and yeah, you're uh, like 20 or whatever. 20. <laughs> I had a whole other life before I was a writer. Well, no, I mean, when you're a PA, like driving around a thing. I was, I was in the military 24 years ago. How old are you? <laughs> no, on the record. You, you were born like in 1950, like right? It, it don't matter. <laughs> yeah, in my case, black don't crack, uh, <laughs> yellow don't mellow. So I think I get the best of both worlds. <laughs> But I always say that what's going to happen, though, when I turn about 65, 70, I'm going to turn into Yoda. <laughs> That's what happens to all Ye- really Asian fast. people. Yes. It's like, but I'm going to be like a brown-skinned Yoda. It's just like, I'm going to shrink and be wrinkled. And wow. it's like, so it happens. Yeah, yeah so, so, much, much. so much wisdom in, in talking backwards. And, exactly. And, and, all right. So, so anyway. So, yes. So, so uh, Robert said, well, when you guys are ready to come in, you're going to pitch. So, we came up with like four ideas and uh ashley miller who was a staff writer on there you know he gave us some pointers Friend of and the stuff. Show. yeah ash and zach and and uh and and so we uh the day that we we're supposed to go in and pitch robert gets fired from the show <laughs> so so much for that we were like oh crap so th- th- then we realized like okay if we're going to be serious about this what are the material things gonna, you got to have material and it was actually yeah. ash was saying okay going to be really serious about this, you're going to need to have a television writing sample, you're going to need to have a feature to really get land representation. Mm-hmm. So the first thing we did was we wrote a Smallville. And I mean, it, and it wasn't it was like, like, like when people were writing specs. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. And and the, none of the scripts I got for staff no, are no, all original. Pilots, well, that, yeah. that, that shift sort of happened about maybe about three, four years ago, yeah. where it was all of a sudden the show was That's such a better started. idea, man. I don't want to read. The, the, some how many? Show, that's the whole like, thing. It's, yeah. I agree. How many Law and Orders can you read? How many, you know, CSI? Especially if you don't watch the show, yeah. you're like, what am I reading? But like, yeah, what's reading. original? Like, who? Did you have the flip side? Well, none of that. To me, one of the, the flip side at the time is like, the spec that we chose wasn't one of the, the you know, the hard specs. It wasn't the hot mm-hmm. specs to mm-hmm. be writing. We wanted, we just wrote something that we wanted, we would like to watch. And, sure. and it was just, this is, because this is where our passion is, and, and to, to me, that's a better selling, you know, a, a better calling card. Like, I don't care if someone's writing a, a shitty... You know, a show based on something that's a crappy show. I, yeah. If it's a well-written sample, it's still going to speak to you. Yeah. So, so I you think get their tastes when you like when they decide what show they decide to spec to. Exactly. Well, there's also, I mean, the argument that does come up on the panels, and and I do agree. I think it's good to have both. But yeah. the argument is like your job as a staff writer is to match the voice yes. of the showrunner. Yes. And so the best way to show that is through writing an existing show. Exactly. They got to you can exactly. show that you can write yeah. a television within. The television, exactly. the format of television. We want people with great like ideas that. and who can do that. And I, th- yeah. I think you get. I, I tend to urge people to do both. I think yes. you, you create. Uh, I don't mean a monster, but you you, <laughs> you build you build a false sense of of expectation. I think in people when mm-hmm. when all they're writing is their own stuff. It's like, well, these are my sure. words, my vision, my thing. Yeah, but guess what? When the showrunner says, "I want this entire scene rewritten." Your vision's getting changed. So <laughs> yeah. so get ready, buckle That's up. A good point. And and, yeah. and and it's it's. It's important to, yes, I, I, I have that thing in your arsenal that says I can do mm-hmm. something that exists, but 
have your voice, have your have your vision. For I think you're having both. I mean, I know that they say, well, you know, you shouldn't, but at the same time, it's like, well, how do I know you can write for television? I think just as an exercise, it's, it's a great exercise. thing to do. Even, if, even like, if no one reads it but your agent. How do I yeah. know that you can execute five acts, you know, and, and within, actually, that makes sense? Right. right. Why, why is act one only three pages, <laughs> yeah. act four is it's, 15? Yeah. You know, it should not be that way. Yeah. Um, so, so you guys wrote this small bill, and that was kind of the first thing you had written together. That, and it was, and, and it, was, it was a learning process, and, you know, we, we kind of found... What works for us uh, as a team? How you know where our strengths lie, where our weaknesses are, and how we need to prop each other up. Um, and then that that, that, well, that Smallville that got us our first representation as, mm-hmm. as well. We got Smallville our first and Alias, yeah. Well, no, it was actually Smallville. We did an Alias. We did. Yeah, we did an Alias. I love that show. Yeah, we. You and I were talking about that. Yes. Like that's the best pilot ever. Yeah, this one yeah, was great. It was a great pilot. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a fantastic pilot. And that's one that used to make great pilots. So we wrote. No, no, we were writing. We were writing the Alias, but we got the we got the representation for our first manager, uh, Smallville, right, and then it was right near the end of the year, and we were writing uh, the Alias. And once we got the Alias, that got us our first agent. Because you know you had the magic two samples. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? It's not a fluke. Oh, you can execute (laughs) two different versions. They can do this, and getting a manager always helps to you know get the agent. We talked about sure, yeah. Um, But I think I mean our process has evolved over time. That's what yeah, it it does. It's like well, I think we there's there's more of a shorthand now, obviously, with each other, and we understand how you know to do it. But also like it's sometimes it's circumstantial. Like Mm -hmm. you know if if we've got an A story and a B story, and one of us has got a better handle on one or the other, you do that, I'll do that. Let's switch when when you're done. Mm-hmm. You so know. you guys will divide up the script. We'll divide yeah. up the script. Yeah. We'll divide up the acts. It, it, it all. I think it honestly all comes down to time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is their time? For? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think that's when you have a ticking clock, especially when sure. you're on a production schedule. Then it's like, okay, I'll take care, I'll take this uh, the B story and I'll run with this, or, mm-hmm. or I'll take the back half. I'll take acts four, you know, right. four, five, and six. Yeah, I've got a better handle on, on how to start this thing, but yeah. then in the middle, I'm not sure. We, we got some notes, and I'm not sure where this is really going. So and, then we'll we'll tra- and then we'll trade off, yeah. and, then, mm-hmm. and then we'll start to, you know, basically flesh it out. And Do you guys do your your own stuff in the way that, I mean, I guess you were, you were writing this recent stuff for entities also, so you probably did, but in the way that you were trained on warehouse and other things where, you know, you're doing a full outline and, you know, you're adhering to that. We've, yeah. we've been doing that even before warehouse though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like yeah. even, you know, we always sort of like the outline for us is our, is our roadmap. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you really see what works. It's really, you really get to understand what this, your story is about, who your characters are. Mm-hmm. Um, because if trying to write just like a, a cold script, it's like that. Oh yeah. You're you're crazy. It'll <laughs> take twice as yeah, long, twice especially as long. with yeah. partners. Right. I mean, yeah. That's you have to have the conversation. Right. right. If you would have uh, just spent the week yeah. beating, even if it's a crappy outline that yeah. that you throw out half of when you start, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> teaser. Fine. <laughs> At least it's there, and you can say, okay, this is the this is the gold from this. This is the shit. Let's separate them. You know. Yeah. What is what is your process in writing anything um, really? Like whether I, it's novels or TV. Novels I don't usually outline. I know I know what the end is going to be. I mean, I, I've written one novel that's out to publishers right now, and I've started the second one. I'm, now I'm writing three novels at the same time. Oh, my God. So, but I'm writing a chapter, 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 chapter. Right. Three different novels. Really? Yeah. Stories. It's really, it's really awesome. Exhausting. No, because I, you know, it's, I, I just have I guess this, it's got to be kind of freeing, right? Cause you it's really like, cool. You know, because like, writing a novel yeah. is like swimming in the ocean and writing uh, a TV show is like swimming in a swimming pool. You know what I mean? Like you, <laughs> not, not that it's swimming in a swimming pool is no, bad, but you just, it's like so much more good, structured. It's an aptimetic like, A lot more chlorine in the swimming pool. <laughs> right, so 
someone takes a dump in the pool, you can see the ocean. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of shit that you know, you might just forget about it. But like, on, the, I just feel more accomplished writing writing a novel narratively because I just set every single day I have to write a thousand words like I just have mm-hmm. to and I can't go to sleep if I don't yeah. so usually I write more than that but like I just I'm like I did my thousand words and I can like relax now and that and then with like writing a script you're like it's just completely different you know what I mean like writing a thousand words of a script it's like a script is like what like 15 to 20 thousand words it's like completely different you know yeah, but you, yes. set your, you do set your goals like yeah, I'm I gonna finish yeah. act one today it's gonna yeah happen. it's harder yeah. though because I, I give I don't know it's just so I don't, I don't know, I do outline, like, I kind of know, for a novel, I know what the end is going to be, and I know the beginning, and I kind of know generally where it's mm-hmm. going, but a script, I, I don't really like, I hate outlining, but when I, when I thought that outlines, before somebody explained to me that an outline is just, like, you narratively t- take 12 pages and just, like, narrative, like, I, I thought yeah. it was, like, you act one, scene, da, 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 scene two, da, 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 like, which I was just like, this is retarded, I can't do this, you know, because thinking of it like that, I, I don't know. But if you just narratively tell it, that's different. You know, was that's, it the, that's okay. the structure of that scared you off? Like, what, the, like the rigidity of yeah, yeah. the slug lines? I just, and... Like, I don't, I couldn't figure anything out about the characters. Like, I'd have to, hmm. I have to think of it like a scene. Like, sure. I have to think of it like a scene. It becomes just about plot. At yeah, that yeah. yeah. And I, can, I don't know I why people are doing what they're doing if I'm just saying, okay, they have to decide to, to blow up, you know, the building. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, how do you do that? I don't know. It's just so hard to do it, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, What is it? So, in this thousand words, this is interesting to me. uh um, You're waking up in writing. Right. Which is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Because I can't even speak to anyone (laughs) when I wake up. But, so you're waking up in writing. How much are you usually getting done in that first sitting? Um... Well, I, so like, and how long will you sit and I'll actually wake, get some writing done? Like, I'll wake up, and sometimes, like, if I, I'll just wake up, and I'll just be thinking, okay, what am I going to do today? Like, how am I going to write? Like, what's the next thing that happens? And I'll kind of, like, get, oh, that's what can happen, you know? Because I know, I know generally, like, they, ha- they have to, like, the last, the, the novel that I just finished is set in a boarding school, and they kind of, like, it's like Lord of the Flies set in a boarding school, and um, so I knew... I would just, like, so I knew what the end was going to be, that they were all going to get out, and so I just sort of, like, had to figure out, like, Mm-hmm. Who was, like, going like, to fight with you or whatever. So I just, like, wake up and think about it. And then I just... Usually it takes, like, three hours. I'll just, like, write for three hours and be done with a thousand words. And will I'll you, stop and get take coffee. Bre- yeah, I was going to say. I'll, so I'll, I'll, like, after, like, half an hour, I'll get coffee and go to the bathroom. <laughs> but then I just get back in bed. Good, though. Yeah. And then I just do it. That's crazy. Um... <laughs> But I just can't relax. Who walks your dogs? I don't have dogs. I don't have... I, that's the thing. Is like, I don't have any, like... Because Jamie, like, you know, I was talking... I saw her at the WJ party the other day, and we were talking about this, and she was like, well, I can't do that because I have, you know, her fiancé and then her two dogs, and it's like... I don't, well, yeah, I, I mean, that's I don't have life. any of that. Like, I've sort of, like, structured my life so that I don't... Because I just couldn't do that, you know? Like, it's not like... I don't know, it's sort of pathetic, but writing is, like, completely the most important thing for me in my life, so, like, I had to structure my life that way, you know? I don't know. That's amazing. I um, just, and, and you're getting to do it, though. It's not yeah, like, yeah. you know, you're some sad person living in the basement, going, like, this is, this is all I do. And I write my uh, Twilight fanfiction. <laughs> I mean, you know, but the thing is that if that person really loved doing that, sure, and they could make a living doing it or whatever, then, I don't know, like... It's just whatever. It just brings me joy. That's all. You that's know? So you, but you haven't yet experienced being in a writer's room yet, right? That's, um, that's well, the next step. I feel like the editing process has uh-huh. kind of been like that okay. a little bit. Yeah. Because 
it's been like pre-production was awesome production i like couldn't eat at all i was so nervous but it was really fun <laughs> you know because you're like were you on set every day yeah, yeah. Like they were, it was in New York. I was there like two weeks ahead of time because I was the only writer. Like, yeah. I was the only person who would be if the thing got picked up, like on the next thing, right. you know. Right. So, but I also was like, I mean, Catherine is really cool. Like, we got to know each other really well during pre-production, and we worked together pretty well. But then, like, everything changed in production, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it was like, um, you know, like, well, just it was just like a whole machine, you know. Before and yeah. and like I'm sitting there, and so I can't be is like a lot of stuff is shot in the POV of a serial killer. So you never see him and that's like a huge problem for for the director. It's not a problem for me, but it's a problem for her. And like then, you know, he's stalking this girl who is played by Victoria Justice, who's awesome and, you know, we were like all around New York City and then the the, the serial killer stuff is the stuff that's like really out there and like really mm-hmm. kinda sick and like twisted and it's like just, you know, me screwing around in my room making it up and then you're like we're, like, in the, like, serial killer house, and, you know, all these people are, like, standing around trying to figure out how to shoot, like, this guy cutting, caressing a tomato, and, like, you know, like, how, how do we do it? It's, like, you know, and he's, like, right. strangling this woman and, like, talking about her face, and, like, we're, the camera's, like, in her face, and I'm just, like, you know, like, what if this is retarded? Like, what if I don't know what I'm doing? Like, what if this is the stupidest thing ever? Because there are, like, 60 people trying to make it happen right now. You know, I'm, like, the only person. That's amazing. I, and, um, I don't know. But so it was like nerve wracking, sure. but it was cool. I had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And then the post process, it's you know they always say it's like rewriting it. Mm-hmm. And that's Did been, it feel that way? Um, a little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's felt it's been it's been hard. The post process has been really difficult. Um, I don't know. Just like I think one problem is that MTV shooting a, a presentation pilot, and Catherine wanted oh, to deliver right. a full pilot. And we just, oh, so, so it was like it money, down. it was oh like all these issues, and so yeah. like they're trying to cut stuff that like really doesn't make sense to cut, because like they yeah. have to build it a certain way, but mm-hmm. MTV was always like, well, we're going to, if we pick it up, we'll shoot those scenes later. You know, that's what they wanted, right. which I could get on board with, but <laughs> Catherine was like, we are not carting any scenes. So it was just like this, mm-hmm. well, if we don't cart any scenes, we're not going to be able to shoot the pilot, because yeah. you only have a certain amount of money, and you only have yeah. like nine days or eight days or something, like we can't, wow. we can't do it. But, um, I don't know, it became sort of like a point of pride for Blumhouse and for Catherine, and then I was, like, trying to, <laughs> trying to figure out, like, I was writing two different scripts, like, one the presentation pilot and one the shooting pilot, so we're trying to, like, make the shooting pilot a full pilot, but then also have, like, the actual full pilot that MTV wanted. It was just, like, a total mindfuck, so then when we got into the edit, it's, like, all of that stuff was, like, right. obvious, you know? And so... <laughs> So, like, I don't know, it's just been hard and, like, lots of fighting and lots of, like... Really? And, yeah. But it is what it is. <laughs> I mean, I don't... I should probably not say, I don't know. Like, well, I mean, and, like, at a certain point, though, it's, like, it's beyond your control. Exactly. You're, I mean, that's the other is, thing is that I'm, like I'm a co-EP yeah. and writer, and Catherine and, like, Blumhouse, they're all EPs. Right. Mm-hmm. And, like, so MTV didn't really give me the authority to be like, no, put it back. Right. It's it's, it's, as we people. like to say, that's above our pay grade. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. like, yeah. I, it, but it's so hard when you can look at it and be like, I just wish I could just, like, get one the Avid and do this myself <laughs> because I know how to fix it right. and, like, uh-huh. no one will listen to you. And it's oh, hard really? to articulate. No, I mean, they do. They totally listen to me. I don't mean that. But it's like, yeah. it's really hard to articulate Yours it. Yours is not, certainly not the strongest guiding voice. Though. Right, right. I don't know. I mean, because, like, I mean, this is the first thing I've ever done. Right. Well, that's so, the like, thing. what the it's hell? Like, you know, and then, it, 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 so at a certain point, you realize, well, I'll just get this under my belt. Right. And, you know, this let, is yeah. Yeah. Let, let, you kind of have to. People yeah. have t- told me that, but yeah. it's really hard because yeah. it's like, 
it's such a big opportunity that I've been like, it's in my yeah. heart and like mm-hmm. I'm trying to, but, it, but I have like over the break just sort of like emotionally let it go and just being like, okay, this is, it, you know, like I can just do what I can for it. That's and, the important thing is, yeah. is, no, is knowing where, where, where your sphere of influence kind of ends yeah. and, and just sit, making your peace with it, trusting that, you know what, I put myself into it, I put right. my heart into it. Yeah. It is going to represent it well. Mm-hmm. And the people that I'm working with are ideally going to be representing it well yeah. that are above you and, yeah. and they will fight the fights that need to be fought. And the ones yeah. that they don't, Sometimes you swallow it, and sometimes <laughs> yeah. it sucks. But at the end of the day, when it goes forward, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is that like I had, I wish that MTV had been more involved in the editing process almost because there was all this stuff going on, and it was like nobody was you know, and I just wanted MTV to come in and be like the first time we had notes with them. I remember them being like, "Can't we just do it like it's in the script?" And I was like. Yes, you know, because that's what I've been saying. (laughs) I mean, I'm probably blowing it all out of proportion, like now thinking about it. But I was like, but I, I mean, I just remember like the first notion after you know, like because Catherine had her four days, and then we had like our two days producer cut, and then we like sent it to MTV, and it was like. I just remember being so relieved, like when they gave the notes after that, even though they were like really harsh. Mm -hmm. You know, I was just like. This is like, it was so such a relief. It's clarity. That's what yeah. it is. It, it's, yeah. it's now I know what you paid for. And they're, <laughs> and they're also like yeah. super smart. Like they're really like, it's it's Mina who was on ABC Family mm-hmm. and like they're all just like, they're it's like their first cycle of pilots since they all like came to MTV. Oh, right. So it's like, yeah. so they're like nervous about it, but they're also really smart. And just, I just remember it was just... And they're invested too. Yeah. Because it is their first. Yeah. Right? I remember first they'd come to set and they, I just would feel relief when they would show up kind of. Because I... I don't know if that's it's how you guys feel with the network, have. but uh, you're on Warehouse 13, but I mean... We, you know, we had a... It's funny, because this is, with our pilot now, we're working for a different network, different people, yeah. and, and who knows if we will have a longer working experience with them, you know, fingers crossed that uh-huh. we will. Um, with Sci-Fi, the studio and network had, sim- like, we shared certain people, uh-huh. so... And there was no production entity right. in, in between us uh-huh. and okay. the studio and network, so... We were a lot closer with them, I think, than mm-hmm. some people may sometimes get. Yeah. Um, they're very involved. I mean, look, Warehouse was a, a big part of their rebranding of the network, mm-hmm. so it was the flagship show, mm-hmm. you know, back in 2009. They relaunched their new name, their new logo, their mm-hmm. new identity on the back of the show. Mm-hmm. So they were very invested in it from the, from the word go. Mark Stern very much, you know, had, had, a, had, a, had a big dog in this fight, and, you know, he was behind it. And, and that was that was one of the best things that I think that we could have had was someone mm-hmm. that that cared about the quality of the show. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit here uh, before we before I get to our final question and talk about what we should have talked about at the very beginning. Um, what are what what got you started as a writer? Like, what were the stuff that you read or watched as a youth that and realized, oh, someone made this, and that's something I would like to do. Um. You know, I was just, I read, like, in high school, like, Catcher in the Rye and, and, like, Lord of the Flies, which is, like, one of my favorite novels, and, um, I, I never thought that I could actually be a writer, though, because they were, they put, they were, I just, like, idolized writers, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, like, it seemed Dickens, like, I loved Dickens, and I don't know. And then when I, I honestly, when I met Dawn and she was like, you should be making a living a writer. I was like, I mean, I've been writing my entire life. Right. I write all the time. I mean, I've been writing short stories since like I could remember and like poems, but I just was like always thinking I'd be a director. Cause like, I just couldn't imagine that I could like be a writer. It was just like idle, like Steinbeck's a writer. Like I can't be Steinbeck or, you know, these people. <laughs> and then, and then Dawn, I met Dawn and she was just like, you can, 
you can do this. And I was like, I can do this. And then I just did it. And then everything sort of like came together. I don't know. It's weird. That's unbelievable. But I mean... But I'm, even with the... Like, you were doing it. You were doing yeah, the Yeah, I just wasn't taking it seriously. But you didn't seriously. see yourself as a writer. I mean, I remember, like, my parents are in the CIA. Uh, well, they're retired now, so, like, I could talk about Are they? Are they? Really, <laughs> I'm, are they really retired? We lived in Israel for a couple of years. We lived in a suburb of Tel Aviv called Kafash Mariahu, and I remember um, my brother... It's like one of the Jaws movies was coming out. I mean, I was, like, a little kid. And um, they they went... My parents, like, went to go... My, my brother went with his friends, but my mom and I had to go pick him up. And I, it was, like, this, like, kind of rundown theater in, like, the middle of the field or whatever. I mean, I'm sure I'm not really remembering it, but it was, like, you could hear everything happening inside mm-hmm. from outside, and just, like, people were screaming, and it was, like... <laughs> The, it was so loud, and I was just like, what is happening? And I was, like, really little, and I was like, what is happening? Like, what is that? That people are, like, they're watching something that's making them so excited. Like, it, awesome. and so then I, I w- like, after that, I was always like, how can I make people, like, be excited? You know? Like, and that, so, like, I think that's, it's always about, like, making people feel something. You know what I mean? Like, because I think some writers write for I, I mean there's like people write for like a million different reasons but I think for me it's like I want to make people cry I want them to laugh I want them to be freaked out I want them to not be able to sleep at night whatever like I just want, I want to have like an audience of people just like flipping out watching something well, when you know, like in that Jaws absolutely <laughs> that's formative it's amazing <laughs> when you were writing for yourself uh-huh. were you still writing with the same intention yes. I don't know I I, I, I was I mean, it about I guess. you feeling something yeah, I mean, I feel like whenever, I mean, it's rare, but whenever I'm writing and I start crying, I'm like, oh, that's probably pretty good. I should probably <laughs> keep that part of it, you know? But it's, mm-hmm. I guess it is. I mean, like, then I'm trying to make myself shocked or amazed <laughs> or whatever. Makes sense. Um, and what's I start the... crying before I start writing. It's <laughs> really? Like, it's just realizing that I have to write. Oh. <laughs> Do you, so, like, when you're writing, you don't, like, when you find a really good joke, you start, I laugh a lot. Like, when I'm writing and I write something, I'm like, oh. And I just like sort of laugh. I want to laugh when I write something like, what? what? He wouldn't say that. It's like, <laughs> this is garbage. I'm going to watch TV. <laughs> it's more so. So some things I didn't like, know. About <laughs> <laughs> no wonder things aren't getting done. <laughs> I wonder why that act took so long. Um, what about you guys? What were some? What was the early stuff that made you realize you wanted to do this? Or that even that people do it? Uh, you know, when I was in eighth grade... I uh, the official handbook of the Marvel Universe came out, and this has come up three days in a row. Really, I'm wow. not even. Kidding. I bought off a spinner rack at, <laughs> at the candy store at the end of like the Central Avenue in my hometown, and which was where were you from? Uh, I grew up in Lawrence, New York, okay. so South Shore of Long Island, mm-hmm. about 15 minutes from JFK. Um, the uh, issue one, the one A. Angel on the cover in the blue yep. costume. Uh, anyway. Big man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I forget what it was A through. You know, I was like just trying to think. Is yeah. there a... Do you still have it? Of course. Like wrapped in plastic. Of course. <laughs> the board as well. Tape on the back. Yeah, sure. Uh, no, absolutely. But but that so that ser- that series came out and it, you know, that series sort of exposed me to more of the Marvel universe than I had read at that point in my life and I wrote. I got had one of those little brother typewriters with the little screen that was like this big, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah, the star. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and I wrote a story. I don't know whatever happened to it. It was just page after page after page where all my favorite characters beat the shit out of all the other characters I didn't like. 
I, I would love to unearth that somewhere. I don't, I, I don't think it exists anymore. But it was one of those things that. That would be awesome. After school, this is what this is what I did with my time. That's fantastic. And I didn't know I wanted to be a writer. Mm -hmm. I didn't. I just did it because it was something that I, I had fun doing. You want, and you wanted that story to exist. It, it, it felt like it needed to be told. It was that. It was the confluence of that and the, the Secret Wars. Mm. I was like, oh, so that's the template, right? The, you know, it makes sense. Battle Royale, superheroes, totally. I'm gonna write this story. And the right. guys I don't like, you're fucking dead. <laughs> uh, the ones I love, Nightcrawler's gonna win everything. Um, even though he probably wouldn't. Uh, I didn't come to it again until college. Took a couple of screenwriting classes. Um, again, thought maybe I'd move out here, and then I saw Barton Fink. And I said, I'm not going anywhere near Hollywood. And, and so that delayed that. Um, and then five years later after that, I was working at Marvel, and, and uh, I'd left editorial, and I, was, I became Marvel's first online editorial manager, starting in their interactive department, which was nascent, you know, this thing called the Internet. I don't know if this is going to go, so <laughs> maybe I should be writing. And I was writing freelance for Marvel at the time. And it was that like, whole internet thing. Is I don't know. This, this yeah. is a flash of hand. <laughs> but I, let me ask you, this, and this is probably a conversation for a whole other yeah, podcast. Sure, sure, sure. But like, getting to write, and, and I ask this because I'm new to it, having, you know, writing Marvel stuff myself mm -hmm. now, getting to write these characters that you got to write when you were six years old or eight years old, whatever it was, it's that same feeling, isn't it? Well, like getting to play with those toys. Oh my god! The first story I did was a was a ten page Giant Man backup in Avengers three seventy five, which I mean that was really cool. Getting Excalibur when it was Nightcrawler, Colossus, and Kitty Pride, like yeah. that was holy shit! Are you kidding me? <laughs> and I was following Warren Ellis, which you don't follow Warren Ellis, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was it, it 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 was invigorating, and it was like yeah, this is what I want to do with, with mm. my life, and and of course you know. I grew up loving television and, and mm -hmm. movies and, and all, all these different things that just sort of fill you up emotionally as you're you know on your your, your youthful journey through <laughs> life. You're like I, I, I can do that. Hmm. I, I don't know I don't know if I had the ability. Don't know if I had the schooling. You know I just it was I'm gonna take this chance. This is what I want. You know if I'm gonna spend X number of hours of my day doing something, this is what I want it to be. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. Would I know you, Derek, as a big sci-fi guy? Yeah. Have you always been since you were? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, you know, being a, a product uh, of like a parent, uh, you know, being half Japanese, half black, it's like so. I got interesting, you know, American culture and Japanese culture. Mm. So manga, anime—that's part of my DNA growing up, and 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 you know, living in Japan. And but you know, my first exposure, you know, definitely I think was you know. Aside from Japanese anime and, and, and TV, was was Star Wars. Mm -hmm. You know, definitely Star Wars. Anything with Spielberg. How old were you for when Star Wars came out? Were you the right age? Six. Six. You were the right yeah, age. Yeah, it was. It was magical. I I remember seeing Star Wars though. It was. Uh, it, I think it was 1977. Living in in Okinawa and seeing it in the Japanese theater, so it was like the Japanese subtitles on the oh side. That was my experience of seeing, you know, <laughs> it's like so. There was a part of me like after seeing movies, did like where's the Japanese, Japanese subtitles? Was that? Did you read Japanese? I did. Uh, well, I actually spoke, it, it, but all my friends spoke English, so mm -hmm. it's like much to the frustration of my mom. I stopped speaking it, oh. and it's one of those things that you realize, like, oh, I should have, I should have kept, I yeah, it. yeah. yeah. But it's like years later when I was stationed in Japan, and then I went to go visit my mom up in Tokyo, and I got lost. 
And it was like it was amazing how much Japanese comes rushing back, and when you're yeah, yeah, in survival yeah. mode, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> cool. it's like and then it, then it goes away. The human brain. Yeah, it really is. It was yeah. fascinating. All of a sudden, I was saying stuff, and I was like, "Who is this person saying?" <laughs> it's me. They're understanding me. It's like I'm gonna, I'm gonna be able to find my mom after I'm all. Gonna see <laughs> in a sea of Japanese <laughs> people, my mom is a tiny Japanese woman, and, and you come out of this Tokyo subway station, and you're like, "I'm never going to find my mom ever again." Because <laughs> like, this is before cell phones. You know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. in the early '90s, and I was just like, "This is." Ne- I, and it's like I'm this tall black guy is never gonna see my mom again. She'll <laughs> see you. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so, but uh, you know, I think a large part of like where my imagination of you know re- books, reading books, and 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 comic books. Spider-Man and X-Men. It's like when I first got my first hand on my first issue of uh, X-Men. I was just like, "What is this?" Do you remember what and that it was, issue it was? It was the uh, issue. It was the issue where uh, uh, was it Lady uh, uh, Deathbird uh, stabs Colossus through the chest, and it was the introduction sure. of the Starjammers. One fifty-six. Well, it wasn't the introduction <laughs> of them, but well, it was the. I, I know. I know. It's like it was. I was getting the subscription. Yeah, it was. My, it was my introduction yeah, to Starjammers. Dave, Dave Cockrum. Yeah, yeah, it was Dave Cockrum and. Yeah. And there's Colossus, and he's laying, and he's laying there bleeding out, and then all of a sudden, the, the massive shadow appears above New York City over Manhattan, and it's the Starjammer spaceship, yeah. and all of a sudden they get teleported. So you know, between <laughs> that right. and Star Trek, like mm-hmm. Saturday afternoon, uh, my father and I we watched Star Trek, and you, you know, it was just like you get transported into the storytelling, and and so, but it wasn't until um, I, I was like, I always was like interested in, in just comic books and storytelling serial storytelling and, mm-hmm. and then I started drawing and writing comics myself as a kid uh, just telling my own little stories mm-hmm. with my with my buddy who at the time he was the editor-in-chief of our comic company it was called Astro Comics <laughs> and the funny thing is is like you know today he is the editor-in-chief of Antarctic Press <laughs> and it's like That's yeah it's like, it's like so good for him yeah and and uh, it was one of those things of like where even then I was like learning to to draw sequential and, and tell sequential storytelling and, and but thinking about how to tell stories not just in those 10-15 pages of the first issue of a comic but mm-hmm. then we would have multiple issues so I'd be plotting that's out really you know characters and their arcs and their stories yeah. and not even realize that I've, that's what I was training myself how to do that I mean I feel like so. that's a thing that we as kids especially I mean kids who read comics but they're even Star Wars kids like this yeah. generation we wanted to live with those characters so much yeah. it was so much about the characters and it wasn't over when the movie was over yeah. right yeah. No, I mean look you know I feel like we grew up in a great time for science fiction. If if that was your you know your, mm-hmm. your milieu, so to speak, like you had a lot of great stuff. You know, they used to rerun you know the Godzilla marathons mm-hmm. on ABC, the four thirty movie. They did Planet of the Apes, you know, yeah. Monday through Friday. Those things were so like just so influential. And then the eighties was that very. It was all about Spielbergian science fiction, yeah. and and you know it just became which is so approachable. It is it's not two thousand one. No, it was, it was very much for the masses. It was very much for the masses, and like, and also I think like for myself because my you know for my father who was just an avid TV watcher, so there was stuff that I would watch that I didn't realize that was influencing me, like Mash, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, Hill Street Blues, and it was just and and I remember the first time seeing Roots. And but watching Roots and then looking at my dad's bookshelf and there was the book 
Hmm. And then saying, like, well, what what came first here? <laughs> and it was like, the book came first. <laughs> and I was like, you can do that? You can take a book and make it into it? <laughs> it was like, but that yeah, it clicked. Clicks. It was like, oh, okay, I didn't know you could do that. That's <laughs> really neat. That sort of thing. <laughs> It was like so. Then it was like, well, when are they going to take a comic book and make it into a movie? <laughs> and you know, when are they going to take the X Men? Yeah, like my friend, uh, my friend was uh, Joey, who is the editor. We we talk about when we have these sort of like stories and come up with stories of like ideas of making the X Men movie. <laughs> and I think there's a lot of people, you know, a lot. Of, uh, I wrote two X Men like, screenplays in college. Yeah, what I did, I wrote uh, two of three. I never got to the third one. Alright, this is a whole other podcast. We're going to have you guys on the podcast. Really, they didn't sell. But they did get me my job at Marvel. Did they really? Yes, they did. They got me my internship at Marvel. Alright, another time. Uh, we got to wrap up. Um, I want to ask you very quickly, uh, what are you watching on television? Do you watch television? Um, You are still an enigma to me. I I do. Yeah, I watch TV. Um, What are you watching on television? What are you reading that's getting you excited or inspired? Um, well, I read the New Yorker a lot, and um, I or the New York Times, and I like tons, especially with Eye Candy. There's like all this stuff about Eye Candy's a cyber thriller set, mm-hmm. like the cyber. So there's tons of cyber stuff happening right, right now that's like amazing, and it's like just mm. along the same time, you know. Every day it's um, changing too. This all stuff with the NSA yeah. and the Congress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, crazy. It's fascinating what the world we we are living in that sort of very Orwellian world. Yeah. And it's um, like holy shit. <laughs> I, I generally with TV I watch like what. Like, I have meetings coming up, so I, like, watch what... But, um, like, I had a meeting that I didn't get staffed in, obviously, because they started working today for Hell on Wheels. And so I watched all of Hell on Wheels, and I watched... It, it was with um, John John, John Worth, Worth. Yeah. who created the Terminator thing. So I watched well, all of He was the, a showrunner for Terminator. Yeah, of course. Yeah, he was yeah, a showrunner. Yeah, so, like, I was like, I should know about his past a little bit. So I watched, like, one of the, the first pilot, and then I was like, I really liked it. So I watched, like, all of them. <laughs> I, so yeah. I kind of, like, do the binge thing. So I, I just finished watching all those. Um... I don't. I mean, like, what? It, what else is on Those TV? Those binge right? things kill you, though. Yeah. It's like, I know. It's like, oh, and then yeah, your mind is just like completely bought. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, oh, you but guys! I, I, I binged on Masters of Sex right before Christmas. I couldn't look at another human. <laughs> <laughs> really you are just like walking meat <laughs> sex puppets. Like, <laughs> uh, no, it's great. No, but, but I mean, like, like, it just turns you off. I would. Yes, I mean, it's a I lot of naked humans. <laughs> <laughs> like, enough. <laughs> Anyway, sorry. No. <laughs> um, all right, good answers. Uh, Derek, what are you watching on television? What are you reading? What's getting you excited? Uh, you know, of course, Breaking Bad is at the top. Was it just you know just ended? And uh, the uh, uh, we were just talking about this earlier. Orange is the New Black. Mm-hmm. House of Cards is coming back. Uh, Doctor Who, of course. Uh, and um, and then um, I'm so irritated that I can't watch Sherlock until the <laughs> 19th. It's only a couple yeah. weeks, right? Yeah, but everyone's been blabbing about it, <laughs> and they just, like, stop Why, talking. it's in England? It's, yeah, it yeah. Already? yeah. Well, can't you watch uh, PBS. it? PBS. Well, you can watch it. You but, can get it on yeah. Blu-ray. You can't get it if on Blu-ray. If you buy Blu-ray, you From can overseas? buy the Blu-ray, you can watch it. But it just aired. It's like, it's still uh, airing. The new season the just new started. Season. Yeah. yeah. Oh, maybe that was... Somebody was telling me. Yeah. <laughs> and then season two, Orphan is... Uh, uh, Orphan Black. Orphan, Orphan, Orphan is, is the new black. black. Orphan is the new black. It's that, that's that crossover <laughs> that's going to happen. That's that magazine yeah, version. Yeah. She goes to prison, she goes to and prison. it's all her. T- teams up with Piper. And <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, there's good stuff. There's a lot. There's a lot of good stuff, and it's always like, oh, I gotta watch that, and at some point, and I'm like, eh, I'm just gonna delete it. Like, I haven't watched any of Breaking Bad yet because I'm just like, I know that once I start, it's just gonna be like another. Right. You're thing down that, that hole for a couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. I just can't do it. 
right now. Uh, <laughs> Sen, what are you, I, what are you I, watching? I mean, basically everything, all this stuff. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I love television. So, like, I'm trying to absorb as much as possible and... and you know, obviously, I'm looking forward to when Game of Thrones comes back. I'm, you know, I, I'm actually really enjoying Person of Interest. Um, I just watched the the episode which was directed by our friend Chris Fisher, who was the producing director on our show, and he is the producing director for that show. And I, I got, I mean, I want to put it out there. I thought, I thought he did a brilliant job. But I don't know if you guys saw it, but like the opening sequence was, it's in the wake of a, of a, a beloved character's death. Mm-hmm. It's the group sort of reeling from the the impact of that and. Going forward, trying to find the people, the person responsible, and the opening montage is to the Johnny Cash version of Nine Inch Nails' "Hurt," which, I mean, it was just what an opening! Hmm. I mean, what a great opening! And all props to Fish and, and all the people on that show because I think that they did an awesome job with that. Um, what else have I been watching? Orange is the New Black, Orphan Black. It's got black in the title. I'm not watching it. Um, uh, I mean, you know, I like comics. Oh yeah, House too. of Lies is coming back, and mm-hmm. I, it, like that's like what this month is like. All this other there's new TV coming. All back. the Showtime shows, shows are yeah. coming. Back. Yeah, all the Showtime shows, like the final season of Californication. No, that's, that's still no. on the air. <laughs> first of all, <laughs> second of all, I remember liking the first. Season, is it over? Like, I don't ever have to watch no, it. No, it's coming back. It's coming back. So how many seasons you don't have to watch been? it though. Like how many seasons? Uh, I, is it? I think it's like this will be like eight or seven, seven or eight or something wow. like yeah. that. Yeah. Can you imagine that? Like shows like Cheers were on for like eleven years, right? Wasn't Cheers on sure. for eleven? I think it was more. Was and Frasier was on for like yeah. eleven yeah. years. Well, look, The Simpsons is going on twenty-four, right? I mean, Simpsons, yeah. Looking forward to Justified. Anybody watch Justified? Right. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm still well, in season. Thing on I'm still in season two. That's uh, so the other one that I had to uh, keep. Had to season two was like that. Great season. Yeah. I'm curious about Helix. I wish Sci-Fi the best I with that show. Uh, you know. Um, know. Some people on that. Very quickly. Yeah. Comic books. Are you guys reading comic books that we should? Yeah. Read? I'm so behind. I made uh, this out. <laughs> it was fine. I, I just I literally just got a stack of, of trade paperbacks for the holidays that I'm like I gotta yes. get through these. I'm still I'm rereading my old bosses. Nick Fury versus Shield right now, so I, I mean that's from the nineties. So uh, that's how behind I am right at the moment. Lock and key is the top. I mean that's Absolutely. that's it just just ended so and it was just so good. I haven't um, read the end yet. I hear uh, it's great though. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, and then you know, of course, a lot of the Marvel stuff, the little of the X Men. I still read the, a lot of the, whatever the Bendis is, you know, writing. Um, there's yeah we were just when we we're just out here and uh, looking at the shows like I don't know what's going on there yeah. there's like the new fifty two stuff is how's it the new fifty two when it's a year later it's like it should, <laughs> it's, it's, not should, so it's not so new yeah. <laughs> Ryan Vaughn saga yeah saga is great still great still fun yeah yeah, yeah. Very cool. right, good answers I accept them all, all right. uh, thank you guys all for thank being you. here this thank was you for a very having enjoyable us. chat now leaving nerdist dot com.